Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Clore. Hello, Mustang fans, and welcome to another Ford Performance Edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I'm your host, John Clore, and as the Enthusiast Communications Manager for Ford Performance, I hope you are reading my efforts in the enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com every single week. And as always, my co-host is Mustang hobby guru, Mike Ray, who also happens to be the president of Moxham, which is the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan. And Mike, tonight, you talk about collectors? We'll talk about some collectors tonight, Mike Ray. You know, collectors and storytellers, right? There's no better storyteller with more interesting stories that I've ever met in my career than our guest tonight. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the reason this one collector is so different from so many others that we've met in the Mustang hobby is because this just isn't some guy who's a collector and he fell in love with Mustangs and the whole Bada Blast story. This is none other than Mike Berardi, who spent a glorious career, almost, what, 40, 40 years, maybe 37 years. Mike was the global director for um, service engineering operations, which is a critical operation for Ford Motor Company and served that uh, operation flawlessly for so many years. Everybody got to know Mike. And I'm not just talking about people down the chain in the Mustang world, but people from the CEO on down had to know Mike Berardi. Mike, welcome to our podcast tonight. Thank you, John, and thank you, Mike. Uh, it's a real privilege uh, for me to uh, be here with uh, both of you. Well, it's a privilege for us because, you know, we uh, we remembered when we'd see your name on all kinds of big uh, lofty emails, you were really um, fixing things for Ford. You were the, the, the guy who had to chase things. What is the the, the that field service operations how does that how does that work Mike what did you, what was your main role so the main role was making sure basically that customers and their vehicles are taken care of um, whether it's technical assistance or uh, accessories or warranty recalls and even even into the future uh, we looked at things five years out to make sure that um, when a customer came in for maintenance and light repair, that uh, it wouldn't be too expensive, you know, so we had to make sure engineering put things like alternators and fuel pumps and things like that in locations that uh, could easily be worked on. So engineering was kind of your passion on this? You're like, it's kind of like a problem solving if something was difficult and if you got a warranty on it, you want to make it easier. Right, right. So engineering was kind of a thorn in the side in the beginning because, I mean, they engineer, right, and they don't always engineer to, to make them come out easy. They, right. they engineer for uh, cost. But together, over the last 10 years of my career, uh, we had a great relationship with engineering folks, and, and they learned a lot about serviceability. Right. Well, what a key what a key factor. But, you know, just because you worked at Ford, I've known a lot of Ford directors. Very few of them, Mike, have more than a couple of cars, and they're not a collection. How did you ever get into this, while you were working at Ford, get into this Mustang collection, just this passion you have for Mustangs. Well, you know, honestly, uh, John, it started, um, if you talk to my mom, <laughs> uh, it started when I was just a little kid, three or four years old. She said I would, um, I'd line up my, you know, 50 match, uh, matchbox cars in a <laughs> row 
and I would just play with them. She said she could leave me there for five, six, seven, eight hours a day, come back wherever she would go to, and I'm still on the floor moving my cars around and uh, playing. So it really did start at a young age. Well, the, according to Mike Ray, you're, we go over to your collection, and you're still on the floor moving cars around. <laughs> yeah, they're a little bit larger now than the Matchbox ones, but um, you're right. I do work on uh, my own cars, do all the maintenance, and um, and sometimes uh, you do have to move them uh, to get other ones out. You're right. I remember, Mike, when uh, you had your collection uh, near your home and you outgrew your pole barn, and then you got into an old building and you had your own dedicated building, and then you're even starting to outgrow that. What is the, what is the car count right now for Motor City Mustangs? Uh, as of today, it is uh, 73 uh, vehicles with um, uh, another one eventually coming in from Australia. And then uh, and then that uh, Pinto Mustang 2 um, vehicle that we looked at the other day, um, that would be the, uh, the other second one coming in right now. You, you have such a unique collection. And Mr. Ray, isn't it isn't it not even odd that he would have seventy three vehicles? Because we know of all his Mustangs, what his favorites are the seventy one to seventy three big horses, isn't that? Yeah, you know. And another funny thing is, is you know, I've been to Mike's place, Scott, a million times, and uh, we have a tour there every year, which we're doing another one in August. Mm -hmm. And people who have been there before, they're like, "Well, it's different because Mike always changes them out." And uh, I'm sure, Mike, if you want to tell that story, how he'll upgrade a certain <laughs> car. So why don't you tell us about that, Mike, like how you upgrade the cars and uh, move them in and out. So there's actually a different vehicle in this place. Sure. Absolutely. And, and actually you made me think of something else when you talked about the 73s, John, I, I have 74 in there today because I forgot that I bought another 1971 429 Mach one project car that's sitting on the trailer. So uh, <laughs> make that 74 as of today. Oh, um, but my, <laughs> but Mike, Mike Ray, you are correct. Um, so kind of my rule is if I can find something that has lower mileage than the one that I have that's in better condition, mm -hmm. then I'll go ahead and buy that one and then sell the current one. And that, you know, as I was collecting throughout the years, um, you know, that was the rule and it was it was a little bit hard to do, um, but it was doable. Um, now, most of the cars like the Fox Body, uh, those cars from 79 to 93, most of those have between, I think, 7,000 miles up to maybe 23 or 24,000 miles. Wow. So those are getting harder and harder to find with low miles. And and I don't really want anything with probably less than 1,000 on it because then those are museum cars. Yeah. Um, and those should be going to the folks that want to just put them in their museums and look at them. I drive all mine. Um, my 93 Cobra R I bought with 600 miles on it about four years ago, maybe five years ago. And I think I just rolled over 1200 miles on it. So <laughs> not afraid to drive the cars, um, but, you know, they do get driven and they will you know, accumulate miles. Well, Mike, I got to tell you, when I was working at SVT, I drive by that back road that goes by your DSC building, and I would always look, and in the, um, the executive parking spot, there would always be some cool old Mustang. 
I go, what the heck? Somebody got a cool Mustang. Well, the next day I go down and then the following week, there's another Mustang. And then every week, it seems like from the, oh, the nicer weather in the spring all the way through the fall, there's a, seriously, every, every, in that same spot, there was another cool Mustang. And I never could figure it out until we met you and we said, wait a minute, those are your Mustangs? You actually drive your collection. They're not for parking and making them look pretty. So you must have, uh, John, you must have driven by on sunny days only, right? Because yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, on, the, on the wet days, I, I drive my uh, F-150 or Super Duty or whatever I had at the time. But but you're right. I mean, um, th- that's how we put the miles on. Even today, um, I drive from home down to the garage and back. It's a 40-mile round trip, and oh. um, and that's pretty much all the miles they get. It's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So. Well, hey, Mike Ray, when did you first run into Mr. Berardi? Because, um, you know, we meet um, some executives at Ford, and most of them are just guys that they, you, they're a professional experience, and they're not the kind of guys you'd go to the bar with, have a beer, or, or hang out at a shop till 8 o'clock at night. But that, I think, is what separates our relationship with Mike Berardi and most every other Ford director we've ever met. And when did you run into Mike? You know, I'm trying to remember now, and, and John, I know it was through you, God, I, I don't even, Mike, do you remember? I don't remember if I, if I know the first time we actually met, I know it's been forever ago, but, um, do you remember Mike? No, you know, it's funny. It, it, it has to have been quite a bit of time because, um, you're right. I, I don't remember. Um, do you, did you come to my old building in Belgium? No, no. What happened is I went to, I went to your old building and I and you, Mike, took a bunch of pictures. You parked them out. You put that uh, concrete skirt up there, and you put you used to pull the cars out and take pictures of them. Well, I took a bunch of pictures, and I put them on FordPerformance.com about the Mike Berardi collection. Uh-huh. And then Mike Ray saw the photos and said, "Hey, do you know this guy pretty well?" I go, "Well, you let me." Oh yeah. Yep. And he says, "Can you get Moxum a tour of his collection?" <laughs> right. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> well, that was the first was the first tour in Belleville then. No, 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 no. It was when you when you first moved. First moved uh, into we your warehouse. Were, yeah. Okay, so I moved in here uh, in 2011, November of 2011. Yeah. That sounds we right about right. Cars, yeah, we must have just put the cars in. I think at that time I had about 20, 22 or 24 cars. So it probably only filled uh, maybe third of the building. Yeah, and I, and I came in and I said to you, Mike, uh, why did you buy such a big building? And you said, well, I don't know. I might get a few extra cars here and there. <laughs> and, and, and I don't remember. Mike Ray, were you remember when we walked to that building, we saw behind the building, there were a bunch of old 71 to 73, some of them, and just tore apart to the frames. And I said, what's going on back there? You got your own private little parts yard. And then the little the- grave Mustang graveyard. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And that's when Mr. Berardi fessed up from his passion for these 71 to 73s. Do you still collect those cars and sell parts off of Mike? Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, there's 40 cars out back. Um, <laughs> I'd say 99% are 71 to 73 Mustangs. And, and yeah, you're right. We, what we do um, uh, is we, we tear them down, um, you know, basically part them out, but we restore the parts and we have an eBay store called Motor City Mustang mainly 71 to 73, but there's other things that are on there and we restore the parts and, and sell them on eBay. 
um, for fun. And it's just, I, you know, it's just it's something I started doing uh, probably 20, 25 years ago um, for fun. And I, you know, I like detail. So I like restoring cars and tearing apart and, and, and it helps people, you know, get into hobby because um, we, you know, I generally sell the parts for what people sell the parts, just taken off of cars unrestored. And right. this way they're restored. So if somebody wants a horn, they have a horn that's already been bead blasted, painted, and it's ready to go. Somebody can just put it on, plug it in, and it's, um, you know, and it, and it goes from there. So and, it and helps. Because, uh, because of your passion for those, though, Mike, um, it's kind of like you told me that those parts are not easy to get. There's not a lot around. So you're trying to save as many restoration projects as you can by stepping in and filling a service for the hobby. Because not there's not a lot of 71 to 73 reproduction parts. Yeah, there wasn't in the beginning, um, about six or seven years ago, um, you know, uh, when most of the 65 to 70s got started getting out of uh, out of range and price for a lot of people, right. people moved to the big Mustangs, right? So um, at that time, you know, now through NPD and, and some of the other um, Mustang houses out there, you can buy quite a bit of the parts and reproduction, not everything. Um, but it's funny because people now really kind of want original parts, uh, more so than, um, than reproduction. Oh. They'll go to reproduction when you can't find originals. But, um, as an example, I just, I sold a set of, uh, uh, Mach one, uh, front and rear seats to a gentleman in Texas. And I thought to myself, wow, this guy wants me to ship these seats to Texas. I mean, it, you know, it's two front seats and a back seat with a fold down. And, and he said, listen, I, you know what? I need red. Yours are red. They're in nice shape. Um, I, I need you to ship them down to me. I'm like, okay. And I said, can't you buy them locally? And he says, no, you can't. You can't buy red. Yeah. You can buy reproduction. But he says, you know, the materials are different and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. A lot of stuff goes overseas because they are very picky and really want original parts with the Ford part numbers on it. Today, I'm actually down at the garage right now. Um, <laughs> I came down, a couple of items sold. I get a pickup. And a gentleman, um, I have a crankshaft pulley uh, that he's looking at, and he wanted to know what the date code was on it. So I told him I'd come down here, unbox it, give him a picture of the date code, and send it to him and see if that's okay with him. You know, Mike, when we walk out of your shop, I put my arm around Mike Gray and I say, that guy is the real deal. And Mike would say something like, yeah, you know, most directors, when they want a classic car, they write a check. <laughs> you're down there underneath these cars on the lifts with rust falling all over the place. You're, I mean, you're actually getting greasy. That I mean, that's that, it's unreal. We yeah, love that. You know, it, it's funny because one time uh, we had a family reunion to go to and and I sent my wife and kids and I said, Hey, I'll be up there. I'll be about two hours late. I got to finish up some stuff. So I, you know, I was working on the cars, like you said, underneath or anything, something like that. And, uh, I changed my clothes, took a shower and I go up there and I'm at, I'm at the family reunion and my cousin comes over and goes, what is all over your legs? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I looked down and between my knee and my ankles, I had grease, black <laughs> grease from working on the cars. And I'm sitting around at the family room going, okay, that's probably not the smartest thing. So, But I cleaned it off, you know, while I was there at the reunion, and it looked pretty good. So <laughs> well, that doesn't surprise us. Well, the reason why I think Mike likes to have Moxham in there is because you do change out your cars. And when I when I showed up there, I remember, oh, you, you know, you had, you, you're trying to have one of every year. 
Um, and you, you know, one of every generation at first, and then your favorites. Well, but we helped him with that, didn't we, John? But during we, the fiftieth, well, he helped us actually. Well, because, I mean, we helped him get the urge to make sure that he got one of every yeah. year because we were we were short trying to find some. Right, and every time Ford did, Ford needed one, <laughs> uh, we would call Mike because we knew he had one of every year. But Mike, it was funny because you had. I remember coming over and you were all oh, you talking. Oh, I got to get the pace cars. You know, I got. You know, it's hard enough to get the sixty-four and a half, but I got to get all the Mustang pace cars. And you went after them and you found examples and you had them all in your collection. I was really happy for you. But then you said, no, no, I got to have all the SVT Cobras. And then I got to get all the Cobra R's. And then, and then after a while, you said, you know, we well, got those. And you'd say, well, now I want to get, <laughs> you wanted the Boss 302s when the 302s came out, the new one. And you had both of them. And then you had to get some of the Shelbys. And then all of a sudden, I had said something really stupid to you. I said, well, you got some Fox <laughs> bodies in here. But, you know, if you're a real Mustang collection, you, you don't have any second generation Mustang. And you go, well, I don't know if it made you feel bad, but all of a sudden, <laughs> Mr. Berardi, what happened to you? You got like nine of those things, King Cobras and Diaz and, and uh, you know, stallions, which nobody has stallions. And then not only was it a Mustang two stallion, you had to get a Maverick stallion and the Pinto stallion. I mean, what happened? What happened is you guys, both of you are bad influences, to be honest with you. <laughs> So, so you're you're right. Actually, my very first car was a 1977 Mustang two coupe with a four cylinder four speed in aqua blue. Wow. That was my high school car, my very first car. And um, in college, right before I went to college, I ended up um, uh, 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 turbocharging that car. And in fact, I had a friend that worked in engineering. <laughs> and I actually had the 1984 SVO setup oh. in my 77 Mustang II in 1982 and 83. Wow. Two years before the SVO came out. And that, <laughs> that little car um, was 174 horsepower back then. Wow. 174 or 184, I forget what it was, with that uh, uh, turbocharger only at 10 PSI. And you know what? When the Mustang GT came out in 82, I can keep up with the Mustang oh, GTs yeah. in 82. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. Well, I, I really appreciate that. And then when we'd mentioned, I, you'd, you'd show me some cars and you'd mentioned, hey, look at this is the USA Sprint cars, you know, and, and you said, yeah. well, I want to go after this Sprint. And then we said, well, wait a minute. There's, they made a Mustang Sprint. They had a Sprint convertible and you were, then all of a sudden I go there and you've got all of the Sprints and you even have the advertising how do do you have someone on eBay or bring a trailer chasing these cars down all the time? Or is that your hobby? No, no, that's my hobby. So, so every night when I get home, I have, um, you know, little bookmarks and I go through them every night. It only takes like 20 minutes and I have, you know, Mustang too. So from 74 to 78, right. Um, so anything new on eBay that popped in that day, I look at all the new stuff. So, you know, 71 to 73 Shelby's, you know, all these groups that I had out there looking for little miles. And, um, but, but I used you kind of as a reference because the, the one that really caught me off guard was I looked at a 76 stallion. Uh, it was in Arizona. I'd never seen one before. So I sent you a note and I said, Hey, I've never heard of this, heard of this one. I, I said, is this real? And you said to me, 
hey, they made less stallions than they did Cobra twos. And I thought, oh, crap, well, I better buy this one. So <laughs> I did. I, I bought that one. Now, since then, I just bought a completed one with a V8 five-speed, I mean, real nice car already done. Yeah. So I'm actually going to, I'm restoring the first one, but, um, you got me into the stallions. The stallions. Yeah. You, you got me into the sprint and now stallions and I'm talking Mavericks and Pinto stallions. Oh. Then you're right. Then came the sprint and all of a sudden now I've got the Mustangs. I have the Pinto sprint. You're right. And I have the Maverick sprint. I have all, all of those. Those are then, so hard uh, to find, Mike. Oh my gosh. And, and and I mean and it just it continues. It's it's seventy-eight. I have a King Cobra and the billboard kind. Right. Um so so I have a section in my garage um where the Mustang twos are. We call it the John Clark corner, <laughs> right? Well, um, wait a minute. You. <laughs> and and, <you're>... and <laughs> not but it it won't be ready by the time uh Mike and the team come back. Uh-huh. Come here in August, but by the end of the year, there will be something on the wall for you, John. Whether no. you like it no. or well, not. Here's the problem. So, Mike, yeah, Ray, and I know what it is, John. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, this is not fair. You're, you're my you, podcast you know what? Host. But we we got it. We got to keep going on this one because um, I think Mike's going to lead into another thing. How you know you were the bad influence there, and then uh, I got a couple jobs that uh, Roush and Celine, right, Mike? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, see, so, yeah, so Mike Ray is just as bad as you are, John, right? So, so, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have any Roushes. So Mike, Mike leaves his first job and ends up at, um, was it Roush first, Mike? Yeah, Roush first. Right. So, of course, what, what don't I have in the collection is a Roush, right? So (laughs) next thing I know, there's a Roush, a one of one sitting in my garage, um, I'm not, well, I know where it came from. I can't believe I bought it though, but I did. And then what happens after that? Gee, Mike, where did you move to after that? Time to go to Celine. (laughs) Right. Guess what else I didn't have in the garage? Next thing I know, I got, yep, I got an 89 Celine convertible with 15,000 original miles sitting in the garage. Wow. So then, of course, Mike went to Shelby, was it? No, I, well, I'm selling Shelby's. Oh, yeah. But I, I oh, yeah, didn't yeah. work directly for them. Yeah, he, right. he, so he, he sells he, them, though. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He sells them. Right? <laughs> I mean, I keep looking at all these that he sells. And, and um, um, you know, he still, he still, I just bought a 22 Heritage, Heritage Edition. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, because, that, and, and that's how things happen, right? I mean, like Hertz Corporation, right? I have all three Hertz. I have the 66, the 06, and the 16. Wow. And of course, what does Hertz do? <laughs> they come out with another one. So, of course, my wife looks at me and she goes, now what? I said, what do you mean, now what? Now we got to buy another one. I mean, now, Sue, Sue so, you're so lucky to have her because my wife would throw me out after. You told her when you retired, you were going to stop the car count and just work <laughs> on the stuff you had. That's what she she told us. And, yeah. and you, you lied, Mike. Either that or you... I did not. I did, I did not it, listen, you guys are bad influence. I'll give you one more. Okay. As a Mustang meeting, Mike, I, a couple of months ago, Dan puts his hand up for sale, or puts his hand up 
at the end of the thing, and, and they were talking about cars that are going to be sold. So he goes, hey, I have this 67 Shelby GT500 that I'm going to put up for sale. And I'm on the phone. I'm, I'm calling into me, and I hear somebody say, don't tell Berardi that that car is up for sale. <laughs> the next thing I know, it's sitting in my garage here, what? and I bought it, right? Oh, my. So, God. so that's because of Mike Ray and the Mustang Club. I'm yep. telling you guys are bad influences. <laughs> you well, know, we, we, John, we cannot let uh, Mike go before we tell another story is that when Mike does give the tours to the groups to come into uh, his museum, if you will, um, he'll walk by each car and give us the story or the background about it, why he bought it, where he bought it, you know, things like that, the rarities of them and all that. And which that's also going to be updated for people to read coming soon too to, to Mike's shop. But um we got to tell the favorite story, Mike. What you know, the the one uh, where actually a, a certain car when the boss was being introduced, um, they got to have a green story. Let's hear that. Well, you know, Mike, you, that's true. A lot of people go to a collection and they walk around and they nod their head and might ask you a few questions. But Mister Berardi will lead the crew, and and you know that old saying, everybody's got a Mustang story. Well, every one of Mike Berardi's Mustangs and other cars have a story, and and he will take us through starting at the beginning. And walk through. Everyone knows the stories behind those cars. And yes, um, you know, I had the pleasure of you know being an internal enthusiast, and people kind of know you like they know Berardi. And when we were on the committee to, uh, I would say, Mike, we were we were considered enthusiast consultants to the to the team Mustang on the Boss 302. Uh, we yep. called they were kind of consultants, like they bounced ideas off us when these cars were in um, development. And yes, that's um, Mike was on that crew, and as well as some other internal enthusiasts. And I got to tell you guys, um, you might not think that uh, every, everybody has the one voice, but there was one guy, Mr. Berardi, who, when we went down to look at the Boss 302, not only did they show us the 12, but also the 13, and of course they changed the stripes just like they did in, in 69 and 70. And I said, well, wow, that's a nice looking car. And all of a sudden Mike turned away and looked at the next year's Boss 302 that wasn't even going to be talked about at this in this committee. And we were called, by the way, the Maverick Committee before Ford even had a new Maverick because they thought, well, nobody will ever know what that's about. And what did Mike Berardi say? Oh, is that color going to be production color? The and they go, yeah, we're thinking of like, like an electric green. He goes, no, no, that next color. He goes, well, that's next year. He goes, oh, no, that that's really cool. I got to have that. And he goes, no, it's like a, we're going to call it electric lime. Or, he goes, no, no, I, I got to have that. When is that coming out? They said, not until the following year, Mike. He goes, well, I got to have it. I got to have that green. I, I got to have that. <laughs> and do you know, ladies and gentlemen, that Ford Division Marketing changed the name of their color to got to have it green because Mike Berardi kept telling <laughs> Our, our tour guide, he's got to have that color. And Mike, do you have a got to have it green? I do have a got to have it green. I, you know what? I just, I had to have it. That, that color, when that, when I saw that, I, that's exactly what I got. I got to have that. I got. And then when, when marketing and you told me that there, you guys are changing the name, I'm like, there is no way. No, you thought we were joking. No, we didn't. Yeah. I thought they were, yeah, no, we're going to change it. Yeah, nobody changes the name because somebody says, I got to have it. And sure enough, when it came out, it's called Got to Have a Green. And yep, there is one sitting in my garage without a doubt. Well, not only okay. that, you know, we'll, that's why Mike brings Moxum through every year. There are different cars and different things. And 
when I came in and saw that you had a, what do they call them, cruising pinna wagon with a porthole in it. And then somehow, don't ask me how this happened, Mr. Ray, but then I saw a van, like the porthole <laughs> cruising van in the same colors as the pinna. And it was like a 70s time machine. Mike went out and bought a matching van like he's going to. Do you have stock in shag carpeting? I, I tell you what, you know, my wife refuses to sit in that van because it's all original. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's it's a funny van, right? It's white with uh, orange and orange and yellow and red, I think, on the outside, but it has a blue interior. And um, she just she looked at that and goes, "I'm not sitting in that. I'm not sitting in that." But you but you're her. right. I mean, I I had I had the Pinto wagon because because of John, another one, because, you know, John had that, that, uh, that Pinto wagon himself. And, and a friend of mine called me up one day and he goes, listen, here's a matching van. It's on eBay. And I'm like, I'm not buying Econoline vans. I've, I've got Mustangs. He goes, yeah, get a Pinto. Yes, I got a Pinto. And he goes, we've got two Pintos. Okay, fine. I have two Pintos. I said, but I'm not buying the van because next I'm going to start collecting Econolines. I'm not doing that. Perfect color match, right, yeah. on the outside. Yeah. I thought, what kind of a story is that? So you're right. I did. I bought it, and, and that's got 43,000 original miles on it. I think I got it out of Wyoming, and wow. and it is. I just drove it to the PDC car show. Yep. And, I saw and, its product uh, development show. Yep. yep. Yeah, there. And you know, Mike, Ray, Mike Ray doesn't, uh, doesn't want to take credit for this, but I, I went through the last time when Moxon went through, and I counted way more Fox bodies than any normal person would own and that's because mike didn't you say some of them were just you never seen like the the early 80s cobras you never see those and yet yeah like, yeah like the 1980 81 cars you don't see those hardly anywhere yeah the four yeah, and those yeah and those were the two toughest ones to find so yeah you can get the 82s and up but finding those 80 and 81 I, we actually got in um, when I finally found an 81 out of Kentucky, uh, bought it from the, um, the, 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 uh, lady, she was the original owner and I hadn't even got, I hadn't even picked it up yet. I got a phone call from the lady that says, Hey, there's a gentleman in Hawaii that wants to buy the car. But I told him it's already sold. And I said, yep, well, it's already sold. And he said, he said he would give you a thousand dollars more for the car. And I politely told her, I said, that's really nice, but I'm not interested in selling it because that's very hard to find. I've never seen another 81 out there. So about three, four days later, I get a call from her again, and he offered $2,000 more. <laughs> and I said, uh, nope, not interested. <laughs> I need that car. And um, about a week later, she called again and said, he will give me, the lady, $1,000 and you $3,000. <laughs> And I thought, not selling the car. And I said, I'll tell you what, you tell the gentleman, if he wants that car, it's $2,500 for you and $7,500 for me. And I thought, there is no way anybody would pay ten grand over what I paid for that car. Got a phone call back, said he'd take it. Oh. And I'm like, holy cow. I, I thought to myself, oh, okay, if that's what he wants. He sent her the $2,500 deposit. And then we never heard from him again. We called oh. him. We had his phone number. I mean, we called him for 30 days and, um, and we didn't, we never got a hold of him. And she had the $2,500. So um, 
she gave me a thousand dollars off the car uh, because she got the twenty five hundred and said, <laughs> "If the guy ever calls back, I'll give him the twenty five hundred back." <laughs> to this date, I don't think he he ever called back on the car. So, well, uh, um, well so what's your right? What's next now for? Uh, I know Mike. When is the is the tour coming on uh, uh, Woodward Week again? Yeah, so it's always yep, the nineteenth, so. always the Friday. So, if you folks out there in Indy, Detroit, and you got to get in touch with Mike Ray at Moxima, I know that walkthrough is really Friday the nineteenth. Yeah, the, is it Friday the nineteenth? To yep. go see the Motor City Mustangs collection of Mike Berardi, and then uh, Mike, you does Moxima go? It's every year now, right? Yeah, every year we do. We do it at least one. Sometimes we will even do a special one throughout the year. But um, August is always definitely a, a staple as our our part of our uh, you know our celebration of Mustang for the whole week here for Woodward Week. Well, just so people know that not only is uh, Mike, but you don't see global directors at Ford, just real car guys, the guys you can just hang out with. And and Mike is in a class by himself. But, and now he knows he collects them, he wrenches, he restores them, he sells them, he swaps them, he trades them, he fixes them. But also now he races them. And you'll see him uh, go to Gingerman, I, I believe. Uh, he That's right. It's only a couple weeks away. Yeah. So, I yeah. Mean, yeah. How did, did Mike get you into that? How did you get into the racing part? So actually, um, um, my wife actually kind of pushed pretty hard on that. We, uh, a friend of ours, Todd Soderquist, who works for the company, um, they were part owners of a track out in Hastings, Nebraska. And he said, I was working at the company still. And he said, listen, will you come out? There's a called the Mustang Roundup. It's for, you know, Boss Real Tours and any other Mustangs. And would you come out and speak? to the group that comes out and there's about a hundred folks that come out for the weekend and just tell them what, what service engineering operations is all about in Ford motor company. And, and, and he goes, you know, by the way, you know, bring a car. If you've never been on the track, bring a car and learn how to performance drive. So I talked to my wife and I said, Hey, come on, I need you to go with me. We'll take, we took actually, they got to have a green car. And um, <laughs> we drove out to, to Nebraska and, we had a full day of instruction on Friday, except my wife wouldn't get out of the car. So I ended up borrowing one of Todd's race cars to learn how to performance drive. So my wife, basically, if he wouldn't give me a car, I would have been sitting around all weekend. So, so we were out there for, uh, for the three days and uh, learned how to performance drive. And when we came back about a month later, she goes, Hey, there's a track up in Waterford. Let's go back up. Let's go up there. So we took the green car up there. And then in the spring, she goes, hey, let's go back. And I said, <laughs> I said, if you really enjoy this this much, then we should probably get you a race car, right, um, and, and not use the collection cars. Right. So we did. We bought her a, a race car from Core Racing. He had just finished this uh, thir- 12, 12 GT, but it was made into a Boss 302, basically. And then I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. If she gets a car, why well, should get a car? So <laughs> we went out, and bought, went out and bought a car, and then you got to buy the trailer and all that other yep, stuff. You got so, your own rig. Um, right, right. So we do. We go out uh, between two and four times a year in the summer. Um, and we will be out there at the Gingerman. We'll be, we'll go out on Monday, uh, have a nice dinner and and stuff with the with the folks there, and then we'll run around the track Tuesday, Wednesday, come back Wednesday night, <laughs> get ready, uh, clean the place up on Thursday, and uh, get ready for um, Mike Ray and the Mustang Club on uh, Friday. Well, hey, Mike, Mike, you know, um, I talked to Mr. Clore into trying to make an appearance at Gingerman this year on Tuesday. Oh, 
Yeah, usually oh. Ford makes me work on FordPerformance.com on Monday and Tuesday. So I'm going to see if I can work on it on the weekend and maybe get some stuff done in advance. Because I usually just wind up, it's stuck at a desk those days. I got to come out and see you guys. Yeah, you He's never been out there. Maybe he get him out for Tuesday. Yep. No, yeah, so to... if, you come out, if you come out there, John, I, I want you to um, hop in my car and drive it around the track. So you are a bad yeah, influence can... on me now. Now you're a bad influence. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the nice part is you drive at the speed that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Right? So 35 with my left blinker out. on the whole time. If that's what you would like to do, you can do that. And um, But really, you, come on out. It is a ball. And and uh, and hop in my car and take it for a ride. It's just, a, you know, you'll like it. Well, both of you guys are horrible influences on all of us enthusiasts in the Mustang hobby. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mike Barati is the complete enthusiast. I mean, not only uh, from his, his career at Ford, but uh, the, the way he enters the hobby and interacts with people. Mike, it was an absolute pleasure to spend some time with you tonight on the Mustang Owners Podcast. We really appreciate your time. Well, like I said, the pleasure is all mine. I, I appreciate um uh, you guys, the club, um, most members, m most people are just phenomenal people, but, um, um, the club is great. And John, your passion and what you do, uh, we need 10 of you. Uh, oh. and Mike, we need 10 of you. I mean, if we had 10 of each, you guys would be on, well, you're unstoppable. Now you'd really be unstoppable. And, um, but thank you for both of you for what you do. And, and, you know, we do this all, we all do this. We do it together. That's what it's all about. It sure is a lot of fun. And, you know, Mike Ray probably knows 50,000 people, but, uh, knowing you is Mike, you have to admit, this is one of the greatest pleasures we have of all the four people we know, just, uh, Berardi's in a, in a league on his own. Uh, that's, that's an understatement of the century. Absolutely. Well, uh, we hope you ladies and gentlemen enjoyed our time with Mike Berardi. Uh, of Motor City Mustangs and that you uh, kind of see that there are people that work at Ford and people in the Ford community have tons and tons of passion and it's all about friends and Mustangs and enjoying a life together in this lifestyle. So we hope you enjoyed our evening with uh, Mike Berardi and until the next time just remember we hope to see you down the road. <laughs>